If I could ask you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 95. Psalm number 95, please. We'll be spending some time today looking at what God has told us needs to be an attitude that we need to have throughout our life. When we look at Psalm number 95, there are some very practical lessons. And of course, as a psalm, we think of this as a song. The psalms being the songbook of the Old Testament. But it's going to be very, very helpful, and it might be very, very revealing for us as we look at this today. Jesus Christ is the best teacher that has ever walked on the face of the earth. In the incredible record that we have of Jesus' teaching, probably the most popular teaching is found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. And when we get toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Christ says these words, Every healthy tree bears good fruit, and every diseased tree bears bad fruit. You will recognize them by their fruits. As we look into God's Word today, I want to suggest to us that one fruit that should be a part of your life and my life, if we have experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, is the fruit of thankfulness. When we think of thankfulness, this is something that oftentimes combats the area of complaining. Sometimes people think that complaining is the national sport of America. Everybody can complain. We can find something to complain about. Even when you ask that question to someone, how are you? The response that comes back sometimes is a complaint in disguise. There is a wonderful forward lesson that most parents have learned. It's been taught since before I was born and it is still taught today. A forward lesson to teach young people a great um, lesson that they'll need for the rest of their life. And those four words are, what do you say? You see, when a young person, maybe three years old or four years old, is given something, it's almost a knee-jerk response that a parent will say to them, what do you say? What do you say? Because we want the children that we are responsible for training and raising to have a spirit of gratitude. Do not think that they just deserve to be given things and not be thankful afterwards. I want to suggest to us today that in Psalm 95, God is giving us a little bit of that uh, fatherly encouragement. What do you say? Hopefully by the time you walk out of here, you'll be saying thank you. And not thank you to the ones around you or to me. Thank you to the Lord for who he is and what he has done for us. What we'll see in God's word today is that God, through one of his psalms, reminds us that we need to be constantly giving thanks to God. Now, the way that I want to approach this is I want to ask some questions from the psalm and then see those answers right from the verses that we'll see, that, that we'll cover today. There, the first question for us that I want to ask is, how am I to respond to the character of God or the beauty of God? A couple different things that we see here in our psalm. First of all, we need to have an outward response. There needs to be something on the outside. Look with me, starting in verse number one of Psalm 95. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise 
to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Every child of God is challenged to have some kind of a outward reaction to God, to what God has done, and to what and to who God is. Now we know what an outward reaction is. I'm not talking about something planned. I'm talking about something that is just, it, it, it just flows out of you in response to something. I had that experience recently with a prayer request and within my family, well, somebody in my family said they've got a situation with their job and, and they're not sure about the future of their job and they're either going to have to interview and there's going to be competition for that interview and would you pray for this? And I can remember spending time in prayer constantly thinking of if the things don't work out, what might be the different domino effects if their job is affected and praying and investing. And I can remember when I heard the words, hey, I've got news. They got the job. And you know what I did? I didn't think, now how should I respond to this? I automatically went, oh, praise the Lord. We need to have an outward reaction to our God. Now that's going to mean that you're not bored with God. It's a challenge for us to be constantly impressed by God. And I don't say that in an irreverent way. It just means that you can get to the place where nothing is exciting to you. You can get to the place where you don't think you need to say thank you. You need to have in your life a <gasps> response to God, an outward response. This means that you are paying attention for the times that he's getting involved. And of course, if you're familiar that God is always involved, this can be so easy for you to give him praise and give him glory when something goes the way that you wanted it to. We respond with an outward response. And then we also see here in this psalm that we need to respond with an inward response to God. How do we respond to God's beauty? Look in verse number six. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, I'm aware that we see some action verbs there. I'm saying there needs to be an inward response, and yet we see the words bow down and kneel. I think there is a good correlation between our physical posture and what's going on on the inside. But I think that verse 6 here of Psalm 95 better talks about the idea of something going on inside. Have you had a sense of awe of your God today? This past week, has there been something inside of you that has caused you to stop? Or even have you had the discipline to set aside some time that is gonna be natural where you can recognize God for his wonderful power? It is clear that the outward response is going to come from the inside. And I want to challenge us to have an outward response in a couple different ways. One, just in your daily routine. You need to be anticipating that God is going to do something great today. And when you're anticipating that, 
you'll recognize it so much easier. And then you'll go, oh, there's God. Praise the Lord, look what he did. Some of you have even gotten to the point where you have praised the Lord for an answer to your prayer that was different than what you thought it should be. And you can go, look what God did. Because sometimes a year down the road or five years down the road, we will say, thank God he didn't answer that prayer the way I wanted him to. Thank God he answered that prayer to what would be the most for his glory and what would be my good. But I couldn't see it at that point. And so this inward response, this opportunity for us to have an inward awe should come as we walk throughout our day, but then it must start with a time alone with God. This can be in the morning. My time is in the morning very early. If that's not good for you, it can be at a set time in the middle of the day or even in the evening. You need to set yourself up for a time of communion with God. And what's going to happen is God's going to remind you in that time of how he has never failed. When you spend time in God's word, you will be reminded by the examples in here that he has never failed to keep a promise that he has made. When you spend time in prayer and you lift up your family and people that are close to you in prayer, you will be so impressed with God. You will have an inward reaction, an inward response. So give yourself time to understand, to kneel before God through each day. So we find an outward response that needs to be there. Something needs to move you. We find an inward response. And then, then we find a couple different areas that are never going to go out of style for us to praise God for. There are some things that we thank God for, that we praise Him for, that maybe we forget about after a while. But the psalmist here, in, in the beauty of this psalm, gives us two areas that we can always praise the Lord for. The question is, what about God deserves such praise? And the first answer that the psalmist gives is God's creation. You and I should never grow tired of enjoying and praising God for his creation. Look at verse number four and five with me. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry lands. We are to praise God because of his incredible creation. This is a repeated theme throughout the scriptures. And we're going to look specifically at one of those instances when God reminds man of his incredible creation. With uh, our family, we've had a number of times we've been able to take the kids to the big city of Chicago for vacation in years past. In the big city of Chicago, there was one store that our daughter liked that our son didn't like, and one store that our son liked and our daughter didn't like. And so typically, we'd hit those stores at the same time. Mom would take Emma to the American Girl store, and there they would walk through the doll store and see all the clothes and all the different accessories that went along with that. How interested do you think older brother was in the doll store when we went to Chicago? Zero. Nothing. Nothing. 
And so at the same time, when they went to the American Girl store, I would take Jack, who was three years older, to the Lego store that was just up the escalator. Now, Jack loved going to the Lego store. But I'm also going to let you in on a secret. I loved going to the Lego store. I didn't enjoy going to the Lego store so I could get my hands on there and build something for a few minutes. I didn't enjoy going to the Lego store to see the different boxes that you could buy. The reason that I enjoyed going to the Lego store was because you would find these displays that must have taken hundreds and hundreds of hours to put together, all made out of Legos. If you're not familiar with this, they will have a life-size Darth Vader, all made out of black Legos. I know this because I've looked at them. I could not believe that people took the time to put all these Legos together to form this incredible statue. And you can't buy one of those, by the way. I can also remember walking into the store and looking overhead, and there seems to be this sea monster kind of a creature, and its body is flowing all throughout the rafters, all throughout the entire store. And I would stand back and think, how long did that take? And what kind of a process is involved with that? And I was so impressed by something made out of Legos. Our God spoke into existence this world. And I love the picture here in Psalm 95 of his hands. Did you see it there? He formed the mountains. He was able to lay out the bottom of the sea, all the valleys, all the beautiful creation, clouds, rain, nature. God has made all of these things. If you have not recently had opportunity to think of the bigness of God, the grandeur of God, just take a look outside. Look at the beautiful nature that only he could do. What a shame that we were tired of that. What a shame that we have to be reminded of how incredible that is. The forming of the mountains and the valleys this deserves our unending praise. Now, there's a portion of the scriptures that I want to read for us that talks about this. I'm going to draw from the book of Job, and it's a little bit toward the end of Job. You don't need to turn there because I'm going to skip around some verses. But you can write it down and read it later on. Job chapter 38 is where God questions Job. God is going to question Job. And the point is, is God wants Job to understand, I've got this. I have good control of what's going on. In fact, let me tell you how big I am and how small you are. And God does that by asking questions about his creation. Listen to these questions that God asked Job. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors? When it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? And prescribed limits for it? And I set bars and doors and said, 
Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? Where is the place of darkness? That you may take it to its territory, that you may discern the paths to its home. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Have you seen the storehouses, storehouses of the hail? which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Job needed to be reminded of how powerful and big God is. And in Psalm 95, the psalmist reminds us that he has placed everything all the beauty of nature in its place. And we understand that man will risk his life, will spend thousands of dollars and months just training to take his foot and step it 29,000 feet on top of the earth, on top of Mount Everest. And man will think, I've really arrived when I get on top of the highest point on the face of the earth. On the other side, we know that no human eye has ever seen 36,000 feet down in the Mariana Trench in the Pacific Ocean. And yet God, just with a little shifting of his finger, was able to form that valley. With a movement of his thumb, was able to form that mountain. Our God's power is displayed in his creation. And I hope that you have not lost your love for the beauty of what God has given us through creation. And then another answer to this question, not only the beauty of his creation, but we should respond to the beauty of his redemption. The beauty of God's redemption. This is another reason why we praise God. Look at the second part of verse number one, where it gets personal, when it calls God the rock of our salvation. And then look at verse number seven. For he is our God, and we are the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice. We spend a lot of time around here talking about redemption, talking about salvation. Jesus Christ came down to earth, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. Took on the human body. He lived on this earth, and he, uh, when, he, when he was grown, he died a cruel death on the cross for your sins and for mine. You can have forgiveness today if you've never done that before. But I know for many of you, you've experienced redemption. You've experienced the forgiveness and the grace of God. And God wants us to be thankful and to worship him for that. In fact, I'm going to combine our first point with this point here. I think it's appropriate for us sometimes to sing. It's an old song. I'm going to sing a solo for you. I know that doesn't excite me either, okay? But I'm going to sing the first part of the song. When we get to the chorus, if you know it, I'm going to ask you to join in with me. It's about being redeemed. Here's how the old song goes. I have a song I love to sing Since I have been redeemed Of my Redeemer, Savior, King since I have been redeemed. Sing it if you know it. 
And I want to suggest today as we close that complaining and murmuring is going to be the opposite of thankfulness. And so if you are one who has complaining as a big part of your day, if you are one who cannot wait to complain to somebody about something, that is going to stand in opposition to being a thankful person. You will not have an attitude of gratitude. You will have an attitude of murmuring. And God tells us to guard against this. And so let me, before we have an opportunity to worship together, we're going to worship through uh, some beautiful scenes of God's nature in just a moment. But before we do that, let me go ahead and ask you to put yourself in this scenario. I want you to imagine that someone has been watching you. Someone's been watching your life for the past six months. They've heard the words that you've said to everybody around you. And they've even heard the prayers that you've prayed to God. And so imagine there is going to be a psalm written about you. We have 150 psalms in our Bible. Imagine we're going to have 151. And it's going to say a psalm of Jeremy. How's that psalm going to start, I wonder. I think for some people, if they had somebody paying close attention and recording the details of their life, their psalm might start something like this. Oh, let us come to the Lord and let us come into his presence with our burdens. Some people are busy telling their burdens to God. There's nothing wrong with telling your burdens to God. And for some people, that's what will be said the most about them. It could be that some of you, if someone were writing the 151st Psalm about your life, it might start with, oh, let us come into his presence with our complaints, complaining to the Lord. Now, God wants to know your heart and wants to know what you're going through. But what a shame if that's what you were known for. I think probably when it comes to the recording of prayers, if somebody's paying attention to your prayer life, probably many of us it might say, oh, let us come into his presence with our requests. God, you know what I need here. God, I'd like to have this. And God, give me this. And God, will you please give me this? There's nothing wrong with giving our requests to the Lord. But I don't think you want that to be the title over your psalm. Oh, that our psalm would say, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Are you a thankful person? God has given us different ways we can express this. He's given us examples that we need to praise God for. And I'm going to give us a chance now to worship. We have uh, some video of some nature scenes. We're going to see some mountains, clouds, water, and everything. Sandy, are we ready for that? Or do we need a minute to cue? What's that? Almost, okay. So what you're going to see is you're going to see some nature scenes, the beauty of God's handiwork. There's also some music playing. You go ahead. That's fine. You'll have a chance to sing later on. But right now, take time to enjoy God's handiwork.
for being one who gives us so much to be thankful for. Heavenly Father, would you allow us to have this perspective? Would you allow us to understand because of the work on the cross that we have that biggest question answered, where we'll spend eternity having purpose in this life, in this world. But we also thank you that we are not alone. The wonderful comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit, his presence with us. The wonderful opportunity we have to get up each day knowing that it's not for nothing and also not having to have the answers for the future because you hold them in your hand and you are good and have a good plan for us with heads bowed and eyes closed no one looking around we give you a chance to pray if god has laid something on your heart take opportunity to talk to god about that if you're here today and You've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. That work that we talked about earlier, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. That was your sins. 
And if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and make you his son or his daughter, you can do that, even right now. Don't worry if you don't know the words to say. God will help you with that. Take a moment to pray. And if God's leading you, ask him to make you his child so you can have eternity in heaven. And then maybe God has laid something else on your heart. Maybe it's in the area of being thankful. Maybe it's in the area of not complaining. Maybe it's in the area of just wonderfully knowing what you have as God's child. That's the piano place to do a little bit more. Take out to do more.